kindness isn't sexy, right? I mean, it's not, nobody's really writing books on kindness necessarily. I mean, you have one here and there or, or patience, like you have self-help books on it, but not on like, why is this so important? I mean, you don't go to conferences, the main talk isn't on kindness, right? It's not on, could you imagine going, and the main talk is on patience. You're like, what the heck? Right? This is not sexy at all, you know? I mean, this is crazy. But he's going, hold on a minute. The Corinthians don't understand something. They do not understand that love is kind and love is patient. Like, they're bringing things into this mix here. And here's the interesting thing. What do you know about Corinth? What do you know about first century Corinth? Let's put it that way. Like, what was the demographic of people? Where was it? What was it known for? Can you enlighten me a little bit on that? Like, what do you think of? When you think of Corinth and you read 1 Corinthians, what do you think of? Well, there a big place of like sex and stuff. Yeah, there was there was a temple there. Yeah, absolutely. That was part of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What do you think? No, no, no. But I'm. But that's important. Of going. Okay, hold on a minute. They, there's this temple, and there were these cult prostitutes in the temple, and there was there was this aspect of 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 a Greek worship. Okay. What else do you know about? Yeah. Well, what you had is is. Yeah, you had, you had really, by the, by the time this is written, it's only about Corinth itself. The city is only about 100 years old. Okay? And you have people like flooding in. It's very cosmopolitan, but it's very much like you have your philosophers and you have your merchants and you have, it's great for trade and it's great. Like it's a really kind of a cosmopolitan city. But as people come in, right, what do they bring with them? Right, exactly. So as all of these groups come in, then you have a whole like melting pot of beliefs and gods and what worship is supposed to look like and all of these things. And so this is what Paul is like working through with this. But let's take a look at it for real. Let's look at Acts chapter 18 because we do get a Luke's account of the planting of the Corinthian church and what Corinth was like. Okay, Um, and so in Acts chapter 18. Uh, this just gives us a little bit of background here because it is going to be helpful when we start understanding, like, why is he telling them? Why is he having to admonish them? Why is he having to teach them about this? Acts chapter 18, it says, After this he left from Athens and went to Corinth, in verse 1. And he found a Jewish man named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently came from, uh, come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them and being of the same occupation, stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with preaching the message and solemnly testifying to the Jews that that the Messiah is Jesus. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and he told them, your blood's on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of a man named uh, Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. So it's not like Paul walked that far. He got ticked off and went out of the synagogue and went to the first house that he found right there. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed the Lord along with his whole household, and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. Okay? 
So you get a little bit of an idea. First of all, when Paul went into Corinth, what did Paul do? Yeah, so, it, that, so there was a normal place that he went because he knew that, hey, I've got to go and preach the message to the Jews. Like, I've got, they've got to hear the gospel, okay? He had, like, this intentional place where he was going. I think we need to be really, like, aware of that, is, is that Paul didn't go and just kind of hang out in Corinth, all right? Paul wasn't just like, you know, how did he meet Priscilla and Aquila? How did he meet them, do you think? Yeah, I mean, they were tent makers together by trade, Okay, and so do you think that there was any, I mean, just picture, we have this little snapshot, right? When Paul went into Corinth, do you think he had any direction at all in his life? Like what he was trying to accomplish? (laughs) Yes, absolutely, man. And do you think when he went into that town that he would have gone, well, hope something happens here. He's like, man, I got to make a little money. Like no one really knows me here. I've got to go be a tent maker. All right, and I meet Priscilla and Aquila right? And clearly he's like building a relationship with them. He's in the synagogue. What's going on in the synagogue? He's preaching. He's letting people know this is the good news of Jesus, right? Um, the leader of the synagogue, he, I mean, he, he ended up converting the leader of the synagogue. There were a whole lot of people in the synagogue that were like, we don't want to hear this, okay? And it wasn't just that they were like, we're not getting it. He says they actually blasphemed. Okay, I think sometimes it, we think that if we just go and we like invite somebody to church and they don't want to go to church, then we shake the robes off on them. This isn't what they were doing. They actually were like, not only don't we like what you're saying, we're going to blaspheme Jesus to where he had to go. I've got to go out of there. And then it's crazy. Do you think he just went and like, how did like paint the picture for me? How did he just go next door to the guy's house? Did he just go, dang, I'm fed up with that. I'm just going to the first door. Or, or could there have been more to it? Do you think he knew the guy? Do you think he ever, right? I mean, do you think, that, here's my point is, there's a whole lot of intentionality and direction in Paul's life that we get like two paragraphs and we're like, that would be awesome for that to happen. Right? But how many days was he there? How many weeks? He said he went every week to the synagogue to where, how many people were, was he talking to and proclaiming the gospel to and developing relationships with and going and making tents? And he's got Priscilla and Aquila. And all I'm saying is, is that without an intentionality and a direction, like an idea of going, hold on a minute, I actually am walking out my door today with an intentionality to proclaim the gospel. Okay? Like there are going to be people that come in my path that I've got to share my faith with that I've got to be warm and welcoming with. Like that has, if that doesn't happen, then nothing we do, like the kindness and patience part really doesn't matter. Because it's just kind of like, be kind and patient to who? Like, like the end game isn't just more kindness and patience at your own dinner table. It's the idea of, no, it's meant to like be spread out, right? And it's really interesting is, is to grow and to really love well. Is it's a matter of we've got to expose ourselves to a whole lot of people and talk to them in order for us to even engage in kindness and patience. Okay? And so you have this with Paul where he's going. And then in verse 9 it says, Then the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent. Okay? That's just the assumption right there. Keep on speaking. That means you've been speaking. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep doing that. All right? Why would he need that kind of encouragement, do you think? Right. I don't want to. 
These people are infuriating to me, man. I mean, I go in the synagogue among my own people, and they don't want to hear this. All right? This is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, so you have this. Keep, don't be silent. I'm with you. No one will lay a hand to hurt you because I have many people in this city. Do you think Paul believed that at that time? Could you imagine going every, every single week and, and just being pushed? There's just pushback at work at school where there's just pushback and going, there's no one, there's no one, there's no one. And he goes, hold on a minute, I got many people in this city. You've got to keep speaking, right? And he stayed there a year and six months. All right, did you know that? Paul was in Corinth for 18 months, right? This is one of his longest stops at a church planting. He was there for 18 months to get to know them. While Gallio was pro-council of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the judge's bench. This man, they said, persuades people to worship God contrary to the law. I mean, there's, there's so much here, okay, because it's so similar to today, right? It's the idea of uh, we almost are, are like, man, I couldn't imagine, but we, we're starting to, I think, being arrested and people going, no, 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 what you're saying is contrary to the law. But we're saying none of the gospel is the gospel, right? But more and more we're seeing like the legislation. There's so much here that's totally off base of what I'm even trying to talk about. But it's just, you've got to read through this. <laughs> and as Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of a crime or a moral evil, it'd be reasonable for me uh, uh, to put up with you Jews. But if these are the questions about words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I don't want to be a judge of such things. So he drove them from the judge's bench, and they all seized Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the judge's bench. But none of these things concern Galileo. Just from that perspective, what was the Jewish population like in Corinth? You think? I mean, you're talking about, we're just infuriated, so we're now going to beat this guy in front of the judge. Just because we're angry. All right? So you get this idea, and we've really just read this section on Acts chapter 18, this little section to give us an idea of what Paul was going into when he was talking about starting the Corinthian church. All right? And then we know, I mean, he spends chapter after chapter after chapter, but he gets to 1 Corinthians 13, and just like Jody said, right there at the end of chapter 12, he says, Here's the deal. I'm reaching my crescendo. I'm going to show you the greatest thing I can show you. And most likely, they didn't even know what that was. He goes, I'm going to show you the greatest thing. Why? Because there was a hyper-dependence on speaking in tongues. There was a, and, and that may have come from the lands they came from. That may have come from the different false gods. That may have come from all kinds of things. But there was such a hyper-dependence on speaking in tongues, and he gets into this, and then he says, listen, you can speak in tongues, and you can do all these things, but without love, it doesn't even matter, and y'all want to speak in tongues. And, and that was one of the things that was the problem, really, was this idea of this hyper-dependence on a spiritual thing, right? Kind of a showing of faith. Yes. They liked evidence of faith as opposed to just faith. Right. You can speak in tongues, it doesn't cost you anything, right? You can speak in tongues and everybody's like, wow, that's amazing. You can speak in tongues. You could have gone and done that in the first century and people would have been like, wow, man, did you hear Ben? That's incredible. Man, that's amazing to see that. And he's like, but, but hold on a minute. Um, that, see, actually following Jesus requires our lives as we relate to other people. 
in relationship, right? I mean, that's really what matters. So he gets into it. He says, love is kind and love is patient. Okay. But here's the interesting thing is those words are very, very common to us. Sometimes it's helpful. It's helpful to me sometimes to look at the opposite of what the words mean. Right. And Paul will actually do this because he gets into um, love isn't this and love isn't that and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing is the opposite of kind is inconsiderate and thoughtless. That's the opposite of being kind, inconsiderate and thoughtless, disagreeable and antagonistic. What does disagreeable look like? I'm not going to be happy no matter what, huh? I am just, listen, I will find a reason to be disagreeable. I'm going to find a reason. Nothing's good enough. Nothing, you know, is, is we're just going to be disagreeable. Yeah. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So he's saying love is kind. And really this word of gentle kindness or, or gentleness or benevolence. Right. He's saying love is kind. Love is patient, which really is bearing with somebody's offense. OK. Anger deferred. All right, so deferring anger. All right, so he's, he, honestly, Paul is just writing. He ain't even commanded anything. He said, this is love. If you don't have anything to do with Jesus, you got to have something to do with this. Right, he, he hadn't even commanded it yet. He's saying, but this is love. If you're serious, if we're serious about following Jesus, then he's saying, you got to be serious about this, about being kind, about be, the idea of an intentional, like intentionally being considerate intentionally being thoughtful like that takes time doesn't it like i find that like in particular the last week we've had during thanksgiving like we've been away seeing family and we've had family come in and it's like there's you ever feel that like there can be such a whirlwind of activities that i look back and i'm like i love i i miss so many opportunities because i didn't spend time thinking ahead of time how i could be like considerate like specifically considerate right so being thoughtful and being considerate, being warm. Have you ever been frustrated or agitated, right? These are, <laughs> that's just not having patience, okay? Here's the interesting thing about patience and kindness. They're a little bit of a, of a, there's a little cycle. Like they feed on each other a little bit. But here's the interesting thing. Kindness tends to be proactive and patience tends to have to be reactive. Like, right? I mean, it's really hard to go to somebody and let me go and do patience to them. Right. It's usually like something's been done that we have to go. OK, now I've got to be patient. OK, kindness is the opposite. All right. If we're sitting back and going, OK, I'm just going to wait to be kind until somebody does something good for me. That's not going to be really the right thing either. All right. And so there's this cycle we've got to like intentionally get going, which is the idea of, OK, if kindness is proactive, then then like what is that going to look like today in my life? Like, if kindness really is thoughtful and considerate and warm, all right, if I don't think about intentionally, like, living that way, then how will it ever happen? Because here's the truth of the matter is, is all of us are nice and good people. There will be moments where it, life will just roll out and people, most people will say they're really nice and good people. 
But that's different than what he's talking about. He's talking about a kindness that's proactive, right? A thoughtfulness. And so it's the idea of this, cha- this will actually change everything we do with where we live and where we work and where we play. This changes everything. It's where we live. If, if I haven't thought about my own household, like being thoughtful and considerate and warm to my, to my own family, if I don't think about like, okay, when I leave my front door, where am I going and how can I be thoughtful and warm and considerate there? Okay, I'm going to work now or I'm going to the gym or I'm going somewhere, you know, where I just have fun or something like that and thinking about how can I be warm and thoughtful and considerate of the people that God is going to put in my life? Because we'd have to be crazy, right, to think that God is not putting people in front of us. If, if God is just like, nah, I'm done with those, those people. I'm just going to let the disciples kind of mill around on earth until I decide to go back, right? But this is the, there's that idea, and it's really interesting because when those things have occurred in my life, it's really funny. It seems to be much simpler to be patient. Like when I'm thoughtful and considerate and warm, and, I'm, and that's my goal, and that's my direction, you all know what's really funny is I find it much simpler to be patient. Is that true with you? I mean, I, it just seems to me. And so there's this, there can be a cycle in one of two directions, either the positive kind of snowball effect, which is that we are like going, hold on a minute, as, as uh, Alfreda said, no, 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 God has been kind and patient to me, right? It's, it's Jesus' own words in John 13, as I have been to you, so you be to others, okay? And so it's that deep conviction Right, that we God is kind and, and patient with me, and when I get up out of bed, I have a specific direction, because love is kind and love is patient. All right, and we're really serious about that. All right, that changes everything, but it can go the opposite way. All right, when there's no thought put in, there's no thought to be kind, there's no thought to be considerate, there's no thought to be warm, there's no thought to be thoughtful towards somebody else there's no thought put into that then isn't it amazing how much more impatient we get like for let me just say i mean that's my experience and it may be your experience too is when we're kind of aimless and not thinking about that don't people irritate you more right when i'm not thinking of other people i'm not thinking about how to be warm and considerate they just take me off right because my whole paradigm has shifted to what keith wants and, and I just want everybody, I, listen, here's what I really want. I want everybody to do this to me. Right? Is, if that person was just more thoughtful, if Jacob was more thoughtful and warm and considerate, I'd probably like him more. I'd be way more patient with, with Jacob if he did that. <laughs> right? Thank you. Okay, you got that. Uh, but anyway, so you have, this, you have this thing here. Let me ask you a question, though, is as a disciple... As somebody following Jesus, um, all of this that we're reading, remember, is in the context of Jesus's reason why he came down to earth, which was to seek and save the lost, which was reconciliation of humanity with his father. Okay, and so there's a point to everything. And clearly, uh, Paul and Jesus and Peter and all the apostles are going, hold on a minute. This reconciliation thing with God doesn't happen without love. Like, it just will not happen, all right? Like, we're really, really serious about that. 
But let me ask you a question is, what gives you pause when you think of, am I really going to spend my time just being more kind and more patient as a disciple? Like, is there anything about that that you're going, yeah, but that's not like, okay, great. We're going to be more kind and more patient. Does it give you any, like, do you have any thoughts like that? Like, you know, it doesn't seem very productive, does it? It just doesn't seem productive at all. I mean, that's what I wrestle with because I'm going, okay, that's great. I mean, in Clemson, people appreciate kindness. People appreciate patience. People love that, right? And, and this is where we can stop sometimes because we can go, man, that just seems like, are we just like out in the world to be good people? Like, like that's just our thing. It's just to go out there and be, okay, I'm kind and patient. No one even really cares. They, they enjoy the benefit of that. But it's really interesting because if you turn over, let's look at Romans chapter 2, okay? Is that sometimes what ends up happening is, is we think that there actually are aspects of discipleship that are completely separate. Like we compartmentalize everything. Like going, okay, you have kindness and patience here. You have evangelism here. You have purity here, right? You have, you know, you, you, you name all of the, what are the different compartments we have in discipleship? I mean, so many. You have, you have group of three, and then you have confession, and then you have prayer time, and Bible study, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we compartmentalize all these things, and so what ends up happening is we find a compartment, and you're just like, this just seems like being like a good guy, and there's, there's nothing really productive about this. And we forget that everything that has to do with following Jesus is about this idea of, no, 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 this is meant to bring about reconciliation of man and God. All right. Like it can't be divorced from going out and sharing our faith. It can't be divorced from going out and meeting people. It can't be divorced from that. In fact, it has to be the absolute like fuel for that. Right. And so you have this. But here's the interesting thing. In Romans chapter two. uh, Paul writes this to the Roman church. He says, therefore, any of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you judge, since you who judge do the same things. We know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on truth. Do you really think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience? Not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Okay? There is a specific direction here. This isn't just about being a good guy. He says, this is how God, Paul writes this. And he says, don't you realize that all of the kindness and all of the patience that God has given you is meant to bring you to repentance? How does that work? Like, how does that work? Can, can you think of a way that would work? Can you think of how, how would that help anyone and come to repentance? Well, first of all, let's think about this. Is what, first of all, what is repentance? Change mind. I'm thinking differently. He says this is the point. God is patient and God is kind so that we will continually change the way we think to think like him and not like us. Right? I mean, that, so that's the goal. There's this direction. You had your hand up. Um, I was just thinking that we would be there. 
find your patient, then you would be long gone. But to be kind to of patient, like at least we would still be there. So for when they did, we're ready. Right. Or we're open, or God has like revealed things to them that they're they know where to go to, and that we're available in there. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Just, just man, you don't, you're not doing what I want right now, right this instant, and I'm gone. And then you're not there, yeah. right? Interesting thing, too, when we're kind of patient, I mean, we, we set an atmosphere that people want to be around. And I think when, in the absence of that, it's like, well, why? If I've got a chance to spend time here in this environment or spend time somewhere else, what, wants me, what makes me want to be in this situation? Yes. As part of it is how I, you know, like going into a room that feels really sterile and cold. Yes. And Yes. And there's funky places That's right. Yes. So so like Absolutely. I think about that, the aroma of frying. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That that is such a good point because this idea of this this in and of itself as we're around is is this warm in, environment that even if somebody's like I don't even I don't even know if I like what you're about. But I like being around you. <laughs> okay? That just opens the door for the gospel to be proclaimed. Right? For there to be. Like, it doesn't always have to be in, like, discipleship terms for people to repent. Sometimes just a conversation. And people go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can think differently about that. Right? I mean, there's, this opens the door to so much. Right? Yeah, Jody. Oh, I just kept reading that thing over and over again there. Because I was, first off, the, the idea of kindness being proactive, it, it, that's, that's an interesting thought for me because I was, it's always been for me just a kind response to an action or a yeah. word or something and just be kind in response. But the proactive kind of kindness yeah. it, is, is kind of an interesting thought. It's yeah. not like something completely new, but right. I've never really thought about it like this. Mm-hmm. But reading this, that passage there, I mean, the Jews, they had gotten to where they were, they were quote-unquote God's people, yes. and he was kind to them because they were his people, and that's just what he does. Yeah. He's kind to me because I'm his. Yeah. And instead of realizing that his kindness is supposed to have them repent, and that's why they would just, oh, we're, we're, we're Jews. We, we don't really have to obey the law because right. you know, we're our We're his people. people. Yeah, right. and he's kind to me because right. he's kind to me, you know, kind right. of like our kids, you know. They, right. like, Lord, they, they give me stuff because they love me. You know? Yes. Like, I don't like them to do anything, right? Yes. And, and I, I think that I think that sometimes as, as a Christian, I can keep that way too, just because, man, I, 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 I'm saved and I quote-unquote do things to, to keep my relationship with God at least moving forward. And so therefore, um, his kindness is something that I just expect rather than having it try to lead me to repentance. And I think that concept too of kindness leads people to repentance it's interesting that because and because we just read that little piece in cards and it reminded me when in First Corinthians Paul says he's writing with Sosthenes, yeah. <laughs> who is most likely that Sosthenes right. took a whooping, who, who, who took a whooping as the leader <laughs> right. of the Jews, who replaced Crispus, who Paul says I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, right. and I mean in his kindness right. in life, the two synagogue leaders were yes. converted yes. because of that, and yeah. so that's what. So I, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. And, but I, I'm not very good at that. Right. I, I guess that's why I say it, because I'm not good at that. I'm not good at, I mean, Sue's great at being receptive and kind, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, no, I, but, but I think this is the problem is, is yeah, come on, say amen. right, right, Afri's exactly. got her hand up, she's like, amen, yes, he has seen the light, the kindness of the Lord has shown him, yeah, yes. Um, I, I hope I'm not going on a tangent on this one, because yeah. I know how my brain can go brrr yeah, like sure. that, so I'm trying to keep it yeah. straight, thank you, all right, so basically, um, you mentioned something when you were talking about how sometimes we're so um, focused on what are you doing for me or whatever mm-hmm. like that. And I was talking to Van one day about um, trying to understand what the scriptures are talking about. Where do quarrels and arguments come from? Right. Don't they come from the desires that come about between your heart? So I said, well, then if we don't have certain desires, there would be an absence of quarreling and argument. So how can I kill some of the desires I have so I don't have to get in a big, you know, disagreement with someone? Mm-hmm. It's like I could just kill the desire that seems to be more important to me than the peace between me and that, or the, between my, that person and me. So, so I, was try, I was telling him how I said, it's okay, because he would do something I didn't like. I'm like, it's okay, it's all right. And he was like, well, Mom, that doesn't seem healthy either. He said, I don't think God doesn't want you to have any desires. And I said, well, yeah. I said, I don't think it's that God doesn't want me to have any desires, but when the desire becomes more important to me than the person, I think there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. sometimes yeah. um, I can get caught up in the desire of my heart yes. more so than thinking of the other person. Yes. And I think that's where the kindness, where, and that's really neat how you said, and that really hit me when you said Kindness is intentional, it's proactive, you think of it preventively or actively. Yeah. Right. Everyone look yeah, at that. Sure. Or and then the um, patience is reactive. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've just been trying to have patience. Right. I feel like I've been very reactive. Yeah. It's all okay. Right. It's all good. Right. I'm not gonna, I'm not In pure reaction right. mode, right? Right. It's yeah. Like I'm need that's right you know what yeah. what do i need to do for this person yeah right instead if a person does something i don't like right i'm like it's all good not a big deal boy that's so good that's such a good point because here's the thing about it is is i think the tendency of almost like humanity in general is the idea that we fall back into a defensive mode and in a in a, a mode of 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 um of just kind of on our heels uh, of just you know reactive and, and the thing about that is, is there anything make us more nervous than being reactive? Especially when you don't know what's coming, right? When you leave the house, you're going, okay, God, just give me the strength to be patient. I don't know what's coming. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you all watch Gladiator, you know, and, and, and Maximus says, whatever comes out those doors. <laughs> Whoa, man, you just, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And it's that idea of when we're in reaction mode, life becomes, man, it's, it's tiring, Right. It's not exciting. It's not like there are things that are coming at me that are going to kill me and hurt me and my family and all that kind of stuff. And it's such a different game when it's like, no, 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 I'm going out to be proactive. Like I've really thought this through and man, I'm, here's where I'm going today. Here's where and certainly there are going to be some things, but that's the part of love is patient. OK, but it's almost like there's this life giving nature of the proactivity in order for us to go, OK, I can be patient with that. 
because I've thought and I've prayed about and I'm, I'm already proactive about the needs and I'm being and I'm thinking about kind of Sue what you talked about is is how can I be warm and welcoming and thoughtful to people like not really there isn't much that moves people's hearts than if you've thought about them when they weren't with you Really, I mean, it's so interesting, like go and, and this, is, this is why it's so important to talk to people and get their story and know them and all that kind of stuff because when you go somewhere and then you come back and you remember their name and you're like, hey, how's so-and-so? How's your aunt doing? I've really thought a lot about them. There isn't many things that blow people out of the water like that because most people know that we're all in reaction mode and we're not thinking of anyone else, Right? And so it's this idea of this proactive kindness here and the idea of breaking free from our own hyper-dependence on spiritual, external, spiritual things, right? Which is not for us speaking in tongues. But there are other external things that we would go, okay, these are the external reasons why I would say I'm a disciple. Because I'm in a family group, because I'm in a group of three, because I come to church on Sundays, because I come... None of those are bad or wrong, okay? But that's not discipleship, right? right? That, and, and so we've got to break free of that hyper-dependence on just spiritual, the externals of spirituality, okay? And then it's this idea of thinking, this is really the homework of this for me. This, is, this was my homework, and I'm just going to give it to you too, okay? How about that? Is we, there should be some part of our quiet time each morning we get up, or if you do your quiet time before, I know there's different schedules and all that kind of stuff, but before we're prepared to go out of the house, a thoughtfulness of um, where am I going? Uh, where, uh, you know, how can I be kind? How can I be thoughtful? How can I be warm? How can I proclaim the gospel? This is what Paul was doing. We saw that when he went into Corinth. He's like, I'm going there to proclaim the gospel to people. And so it's that idea of, okay, where am I going? And let me be thoughtful about who I'm going to see. Let me be thoughtful about where I'm going. And, and really, there's these three areas that I've heard recently. Where we live, where we work, and where we play. Th- those three areas of just thoughtfulness, of intentionally going in there, and I'm proclaiming the gospel kindly and patiently, and that we're praying for all of the people that we are going to encounter and God's going to put in our lives that we don't know yet. See, there's a proactivity to that that I think will release some of the burden, okay? And have you ever, sometimes that may even feel scary to you. Have you ever been kind of scared to be proactive about something? And then you do it? Like, what's the, pro, what, what happens after you, like, push through that? What, what happens to you just, like, your own, just day, huh? Right, you're going, whoa, this is great. I mean, it's so different than being reactive, Right. It's, it, it just is. OK. And so it's that idea of is there some things, some some ways I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone to be kind and patient. And, and, and my encouragement would be. Let's be proactive on the kindness side. And I really wonder how much that is just going to influence our patience. OK. But again, and, and we're, as we take our communion, this is what I really want us to think about here is 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 having a deep conviction and asking God to give us a deeper conviction on the seriousness of this. Like that this isn't just something that's like being a good person in Clemson or being a good student and just your teachers like you. That there's a direction, that this has to do with proclaiming the gospel, that this has to do with with being a fragrant offering to the world, that this has to do about attracting people in. And then it's not being kind so they like me more. But it's being kind so they love Jesus. 
okay? And that's really, that's the important side of it because if it's just drawing people to me, then that's going to be agonizing, all right? Because there's too many things wrong with us that people are going to find out. They're like, he's kind, but he's all messed up in these other areas, okay? But as we take communion, that's one of the things is, is having a deeper conviction on, on this, on, on the idea of love, on this greatest thing that Paul said. This is the greatest thing I can give you. And us realizing, because we've spent, you know, 10, 11, 12 weeks on this, and hopefully, you know, chances are none of us have, like, become perfect, right, at this. But what we can do is have a deeper conviction about this, a, a conviction that spurs our heart on to continue to grow, to understand that this, this is so serious to Jesus, that if he would have cut any of these corners, he couldn't have been the Messiah, right? That there, and, and so that's really my prayer um, I hope that we are, are really serious about this kind of homework assignment of this idea of where I live, where I work, where I play, being thoughtful, warm, considerate, regardless of what anybody else does. Because Regard- here's the truth of the matter is, is love is patient. That's important because when we go out and do this, people will mess this up. We'll mess this up between one another. You know that? We, we will do that. Like, be certain of that. So if you're going into it of going, I'm going to be kind and patient. Everybody in my life is going to be so happy with me. And it's just going to be, life is going to be so great. Chances are that's not going to be true. But that isn't the point because we're not calling people to us. We're pointing people to Jesus.